Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord? Today we're looking in the book of Romans, chapter number 3. The book of Romans, chapter number 3. We're going to begin reading with verse number 9. It should be appearing on your screen. We have one screen out. It just happened between Wednesday and Sunday. Hopefully we'll have that up and going again by next Sunday. Romans chapter number 3 began reading with verse number 9. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom, to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead, including them and what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is just and fair. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. What a powerful, powerful scripture. Father, I thank you for your incredible, incredible word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest not only upon your word today, because it is already anointed, but upon your messenger, Lord, today, and upon this message. 
And God, I pray that you will open our ears today. Lord, open the, 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 the ears that are on our heart. Open our spiritual ears today. God, let us, let us hear the word of God today. And God, may we be ever so grateful for what you did for us. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today, we're beginning a brand new series I'm calling Roaming Through Romans. Roaming Through Romans. The word roam means to stroll through a large area. The book of Romans has 16 chapters in it, and in these 16 chapters, there are 433 verses. I don't attempt to cover all 16 chapters of this book, and I certainly do not intend to cover cover all 433 verses. And the people said, Amen. amen, praise the Lord, thank you, appreciate it, Pastor. No, we are simply going to roam through the book of Romans. We're we're going to hit some of the highlights of this incredible book of the Bible. The first uh, half or so of Romans, Paul addresses theological or doctrinal issues. The last half of the book, uh, he addresses more practical issues. So as we begin this morning, as we begin to roam through the book of Romans, I want us to to make our first stop in chapter number 3. We've already read that text. It began with verse number 9. And in the verses that we uh, have just read, Paul addresses the doctrine of salvation by faith. Out of all the doctrines in the Bible, and the Bible is full of doctrine, but out of all of the doctrines of the Bible, this is the most important. Now, all doctrine is important. But the doctrine or the teaching or what we believe about salvation is of utmost importance because because our eternal soul and where we will spend eternity is at stake. You can be wrong a little bit or be off a little bit on your eschatology, which is the doctrine uh, or what you believe about the end time events. You can be a little off on that. You can be wrong about uh, your belief of, of, of the rapture. Some believe that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. Others believe it will happen in the middle of the tribulation. Others believe that it will happen after the tribulation period. We believe and teach around here in a pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that Jesus could come at any moment. He could come before I get through preaching this morning. And don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach that long. But you can be off a little bit on your end time doctrine. You can be off a little bit about where you place the rapture in end time events. You could be off a little bit uh, uh, on Daniel's ten toes. You could, you, you could be off a little bit on, on which uh, nations represent the ten toes uh, of Daniel. You, you can be off a little on your eschatology or, or, or your belief or what you believe of, of, of end time events. And still you could come out okay. But you better get your theology right on the doctrine of salvation. Paul addresses this doctrine in the first few chapters of Romans, and I have broken this doctrine down into four points for us to look at 
today. So let's look at those four things as it concerns uh, the doctrine of salvation by grace and salvation by by faith. The first thing that I want us to talk about this morning, the first thing that I find in this pastor, uh, passage that we have read this morning is the first thing that, that I want us to look at is the unsolvable problem. The unsolvable problem. And Paul lays this out for us in verses 9 through 20. And we first discover here a sin problem. A sin problem. Verse number 9 says that all people uh, are under the power of sin. Verse number 10 says that no one is righteous, no, not even one. And verse number 12 says that all, everyone, has turned away. Stroll over to Romans chapter 5, and Paul writes in verse number 12, he says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And he says, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sin. So what we need to understand this morning is that after Adam sinned, every person born after him was born with a sin nature or a natural desire to sin. Sin comes natural to us, doesn't it? Nobody has to teach us how to sin. And nobody has to teach us how to lie. No one has to teach us how to steal. No one has to teach us how to envy or how to gossip or how to be selfish or, or how to get angry or how to become jealous. We don't send our kids to school to learn how to do these things. No, it is bred into them. It comes out of them automatically. You know, you know a child's first three words uh, that they learn are mama. Dada and mine. Sin is an unsolvable problem, at least for as, as at least as far as man is concerned. No man has the power to totally stop sinning. The problem of sin cannot be stopped through threats. It cannot be stopped through punishment. It cannot be stopped through teaching. It uh, it cannot be stopped by New Year's resolutions. Or the list goes on and on and on and on. As far as man is concerned, sin is an unsolvable problem. Try as he may, on his own and in his own strength, man cannot, no matter how hard hard he tries, he cannot stop Sinning, or or he might control his sinning somewhat, and for a while he might slow down on his sinning. Uh, uh, His sin of choice might be less damaging to himself and to others uh, than other people's sins, but, but, but he will always have a sin problem that he cannot conquer 100%. Would you agree this morning? And because of your sin problem, that creates... A separation problem. Verses 19 and 20 that we read tells us that the entire world is guilty before God. And it tells us that no one can ever be made right with God by keeping the law. Or no one can ever be made right with God in his own power and in his own efforts no matter how noble they may be. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 says that that, that our sins have separated us from God. God. 
We understand the Bible tells us that before Adam sinned, God placed him in a luscious garden of paradise. And the Bible says that, that, that in the cool of the evening, every single evening, that God would come down oh, to that garden of paradise and God would walk and talk and fellowship and commune and hang out and spend time with Adam and with Eve. But the Bible also says that after Adam sinned, the Bible says that God removed Adam and Eve from the garden. He removed them from the garden of paradise and he removed them from his presence. Sin separates man from God. Perhaps a more accurate statement would be unforgiven sin. Unrepented of sin separates man from God. God. In verses 9 through 20, Paul describes the unsolvable problem. And that's the bad news, but the good news is found in verse number 21. And I'm calling this the universal provision. The universal provision. Verse number 21 says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Wow, Paul, you are telling us that God has an answer for man's unsolvable problem? Yes, absolutely, Paul says. And it's God's universal provision. You see, what is impossible for man to do for himself, God did for him. Hey, Paul, what is, the salva- what is the solution to man's unsolvable problem? The problem of sin and the problem of, of separation from God. What is it? The answer? Salvation through faith. Salvation through faith. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul goes on to say, It's not because of your works, but it is because of God's gift. Oh, we need to get a hold of this this morning. We need to get a hold of this. This is life changing. We are saved by placing our faith in God's grace. Boy, it's awful quiet in here this morning. I guess second service is going to be my favorite today. I'm going to say it again this morning. We are saved by placing our faith in God's grace. Or our faith in the grace of God. God did for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. He placed our sins on His Son. Jesus took our place on the cross, paying our sin debt in full. And our part in salvation is not our good works. You cannot do enough good works to to save you. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough good things. Our part in salvation has nothing to do with our works. Our part in salvation is, is in placing our faith in God's grace. It's God's grace, yes it is, and we cannot be saved without God's grace. But let me tell you that it's not God's grace and God's grace alone that that saves us. No, no, we have to put our faith in God's grace. So it is our faith 
place in God's grace that saves us. Believing and trusting in what Jesus did for us on the cross. God's part is grace. Our part is faith in God's grace. We're talking about the universal provision right now. Salvation through faith. But not just salvation through faith, but salvation provided for all. For all. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Who is it true for? And this is true for everyone who believes or everyone who has faith, no matter who we are. Oh, Pastor, you, you, you wouldn't say that if you knew who I was. Oh, oh Pastor, you, you don't know what I've done. You, you don't know who I am. Oh, oh Pastor, I, I, I'm too bad to be saved. I've done too many bad things to be saved. Oh, you don't know who I am this morning, Pastor. I've been too sinful. I've been too wicked. I've been too ugly. I've been too vile. Well, according to the Apostle Paul, not, oh, not according to the Apostle Paul and not according to God's Word. According to the Apostle Paul and according to God's Word, that salvation has been made available for all, for everyone, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are. Salvation has been made available to us and the price has been paid for us all. Romans 3 and 22 says that what's true for one is true for all. And John 3.16, the golden text of the Bible, the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever, whoever would believe upon Him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Alright, notice the next thing that I find in our scripture for today and that is I'm calling this the unfailing promise. The unfailing promise. Promise. And this is found in verses 22 through 26. And the unfailing promise is twofold. First of all, he declares us righteous. He declares us righteous. Verse number 24 says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, See, that's what we need to understand. That's what grace is all about. It is the freely given, unmerited love and favor of God. It's not because that we, we are worthy of it. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're so good. It's because He's so good. See, we're all worried about how we can be good enough and how we can get good enough. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. I know it's hard to wrap our arms around, especially Pentecostal people, you know, that have been beat over the head for, for 50 years or 100 years, you know. And, you know, we talk about being saved by grace, and then we preach works. I know I'm guilty. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I preached what I was taught for years. I preached what I heard for years. Then I started reading for myself. Not about how good I am and how good I can become. It's how good God is. Now hear me. I'm not telling you to go out and be bad. Paul already addressed that. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, don't be stupid. The Benson Revised Version, but it's what he said. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares. Who declares? 
Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus. Verse 26. He declares sinners to be right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. Wow! Oh, God, God doesn't just save us when we place our faith in what Jesus did for us. He... He declares us righteous. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21, Paul writes and he says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. We can't get... Right with God on our own. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter what we've done or haven't done. We cannot get there. We cannot make ourselves right with God. The only way we can become right with God is believing that Jesus makes us right with God in what He did for us on the cross. Wow. Notice the second part of this unfailing promise. He dismisses the penalty for our sin. Not only does he declare us righteous, but he dismisses the penalty for our sin. Verse 24, through Christ Jesus, God freed us from the penalty for our sins. A quick stroll over to, the, over to chapter 6 of Romans in verse number 23. It says the wages or the penalty of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man has an unsolvable problem, a problem called sin. And within himself and by himself, sin is an unsolvable problem for him. And man's sin problem separates him from God. Sin for man is an unsolvable problem, but not for God. Nothing is impossible with God. Oh, oh, no problem is unsolvable for Him. And He has solved this unsolvable problem with His universal provision. He has solved it by doing for man what man could not do for himself. And He has given to man two unfailing promises. He declares us righteous, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has already done for us. And because of Jesus and because of what he has done for us and because we have placed our faith in him, God dismisses the penalty of our sin. Oh, as the old hymn of the church we used to sing says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing. But the blood of Jesus, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many of you this morning are thankful for God's unfailing Promises. How many of you are thankful today for God's universal provision? Give him a shout of praise in his house today. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's look at the fourth and the last thing that I see in our scripture for today as we begin our roaming 
through Romans. The fourth thing that I see here is the unequaled plan. I'm calling it the unequaled plan. Let let me suggest two things here. First of all, let me suggest that man's, man's plan fails. Man's plan fails. Try as he may, as far as salvation goes, man just can't get there on his own. Some are better than others, but all are sinners. Everybody fails. Some fall further, some uh, fall, uh, fail more often, but everyone falls. Everyone fails. Everyone messes up. Everyone comes up short. The problem with the law was, if you're guilty of one part, Jesus said you're guilty of all of it. So, therefore, you might not commit murder, but you might covet. And Jesus said, if you're guilty of one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the entire law. You might not commit the act of adultery, but Jesus said, looking on a woman with lust in your heart is the same as. I'm looking at a lot of adulterers in here this morning. And if you're not guilty, men, then you have bigger problems. Just saying. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't have to measure up to the law. I could never measure up to the law. And nobody else could ever measure up to the law. That's why Jesus came. He came not to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Is the law still in effect? Yes, it's in effect in Jesus. He fulfilled the law. We just never get there, can we? Oh, man says, if I could only be good enough. Oh, if I could only do enough good deeds. Oh, oh if I could only give away enough money to enough charities. Give enough money to the poor. Give enough money to the church. But listen, man's good enough is not good enough for God. I said, that's the problem this morning. Man's good enough is not good enough for God. Man's plan fails. We read it. Verse number 27, Paul writes and he says, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal, listen to this, listen to this, get a hold of this. Because our acquittal is not, say not, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law or by being good enough, we could say. Roam with me over uh, to chapter 7 of Romans and listen to Paul's struggle with righteousness. Romans chapter number 7, verse 14 through 25. Paul writes and he says, so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. Paul says, the trouble is with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have me trouble. Paul said, the trouble is with me, for I am too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. He said, for I want to do what is right. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with what the, that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin that's living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. This is the Apostle Paul talking here. He said, I want to do what is right, but I can't. 
I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that really does it. He goes on, he says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law, he says, with all of my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature... I am a slave to sin. How many know that there's a constant tug of war that is taking place in every child of God? On one end of the rope is the world and the enemy and the devil. And the world and the enemy and the devil is pulling on that rope and he's pulling on us and he's pulling on us and he's tugging on us and he's pulling on us and he's luring us and he's tempting us and he's testing us and he's pulling on us and he's pulling on that old sinful nature that is on the inside of us. But on the other end of the rope is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is wooing us to God. The Holy Spirit is drawing us into the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit is pulling us and pulling us and pulling us toward God. And here's this tug of war. A war against our old sinful nature. A war against the world and the devil. Oh, pulling on us on this way. And the, and the Lord pulling us on this way. You say, Pastor, how in the world, who in the world is going to win? Well, we need to understand who is in the middle of this tug of war. It is you and I that are at the, on the, on, in the middle of this tug of war. And who is going to win will be determined by which way we lean. And if I lean toward my sinful nature, I will be pulled to the world. And I'll be pulled away from God. But on the other hand, if I lean toward the Holy Spirit, He will pull me toward God. And as He pulls me toward God, the closer I get from God, to God, the further away I am from sin. The closer I am to sin, the further away I am from God. Amen. I want you to make up your mind this morning to lean into the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Even the Apostle Paul, God's poster boy for righteousness, couldn't get there on his own. He too must lean in the direction of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the fact that man's plan fails. That's the bad news. The good news is God's plan flourishes. Verse 28, we are made right with God through faith. You can never make yourself right with God through your works. I'm not saying we shouldn't have good works. They're the byproduct of our salvation. We'll talk about that, so don't get all up in the air about that. Don't send me any emails. I've been preaching here for 12 and a half years now. You know where I stand. If you're brand new, just hang around a little bit and you'll find out. But we're made right with God through faith. Not by obeying the law, not by doing our own things and by our own human efforts. Paul writes in, in chapter 8 and verse 1, so now there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. 
And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Could we get the worship team back in place real quickly and quietly as I close this morning? Man has a natural tendency to sin. We were born with a sin nature. Only through Christ and what he did for us can we overcome sin and be declared right with God. We'll never become perfect this side of heaven. We will always battle our sin nature. God declares us righteous, but it's not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Did you hear me this morning? It's not because of who we are, it's because of whose we are. It's not because of of what we do, but it's because of what Jesus did for us. Stand with me this morning, please. Here's our takeaway for the day. God did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. I know I say that a lot. I'm going to say it. You're going to just get sick of hearing it. But I want you to know that God did for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. And our takeaway this morning is since we can't earn our salvation, we have nothing to boast about. We have nothing to boast about. Father, I just pray today, God, that you will take this word today. God, I pray you'll take this word today. God, I pray, Lord, that you will will cause your word to be effective today. Cause this word to be effective. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll do your work this service this morning in Jesus name as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room this morning no one's looking around could I have just a little more volume to kind of help my voice nobody's looking around this morning no one's leaving unless you have a child or baby disrupting as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning Maybe you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ for your personal Lord and Savior. You have never trusted in God's grace for your salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the grace of God for your salvation, but today you want to place your your trust, your faith, your hope, your confidence in the grace of God, that freely given, unmerited love and favor, the gift of salvation. You want to place your faith, your trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. You've never done that before. You want to do that this morning? I want you just to lift your hand up all over this room. Just lift it up real high. It's kind of dark out there, so kind of wave at me. So that I, if I don't see your hand, I'll see some motion. Anyone this morning? Anyone this morning? I wonder how many this morning say, "You know, Pastor, I I, I say I believe in God's grace." And yet, I, I wonder if maybe I don't offend God sometimes with, with my efforts, my human efforts to, to be better and to do better. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't try to do better, whatever, but listen, they're futile on your own. You need, to, you need to have God help you. You need to ask God to help you. You can't overcome anger on your own, but God can help you overcome your anger. You can't overcome pornography on your own. It's too addictive. But God can help you overcome it. He can release you. He can release you. I wonder how many just lift a hand and say, you know what, Pastor, I just, I just want to say right now, God, I've been, I've been trying too hard with my human effort. God, I want, to, I want to ask you to do in me and through me what I can't do myself. Is that you this morning? Just lift a hand and say, you know, that's what I need. Yeah. God, I just need you to help me, God. I need you. I need you to help me. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I can't make this thing work on my own. I can't save myself. can't sanctify myself. Only through God's grace, only through God's help, only through God's strength, can I do it?